0: Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Lots of uh, chatter, obviously, on the world, I guess, breathing a giant sigh of relief with uh, administration changes in the United States. Lots of people have talked about world order. You remember when uh, when Donald Trump came into office, he was more friendly with our traditional enemies and seemed to tick off our allies. And uh, many cha- many thought about how that would change uh, the world order. And, and uh, you know, perhaps that was giving a leg up to countries like Russia and China and such. Uh, and we all know where that discussion is especially with relationships uh, not only with the United States and China but certainly uh, as a result of uh, with Canada and China and we certainly know the history there and where it has gone uh, in regard to the two Michaels uh, but now this is continuing to be in the news and how will uh, the change in administration uh, change relationships with China all over the world let's bring in Ben Roswell, President Canadian International Council and he is with us now. Ben, thank you for the time. I hope you're well i am thank you very much thanks for having me on the show uh just your thoughts on uh, the change in administration south of the border how do how does china view this change in the administration oh well um i can only think
1: that uh there'll be uh some relief in uh changing the administration from the from beijing's perspective as well as uh, as well as from every other capital in the world and that there's, uh, there's now an administration in the United States, um, that's going to be making decisions against, uh, a rational assessment of America's national interests and, uh, a commitment to doing so in collaboration with, uh, with, uh, other countries around the world. There's a, a sort of a, a rationality, uh, to decision making that's being, that should be uh, restored, and with that comes predictability and the other, the other kind of um, advantages um, to sane decision making that uh, either allies or adversaries of the United States will, uh, will, uh, will I think appreciate. And so, you know, I think this is uh, this is good news for all of us.
0: In, so, in is the... The... sorry, go ahead. No, continue on.
1: Well, in terms of the long term. There's a long term competition between China and the United States, and that exists regardless of who's in power in the two different uh in the two different countries to some extent, I think it was in china's interest to have a weak leader in washington and a a leader who was not um very committed to advancing the national interests of the united states um but that's a that only confers a kind of short term advantage um i think to the extent that the Chinese government is thinking long-term about advancing their interests. It's better for them to work with a with an administration in Washington that's um, that's got a a predictable worldview and, um, and a and a and a strong sense of what the United States uh, wants and an ability to uh, align those decisions between the various actors in the American foreign policy establishment.
0: It was odd at times. Uh, It seems that Donald Trump would uh, contradict himself. At times he would be very envious of the situation in China and then at other times uh, obviously uh, criticize them. Uh, Would they rather have uh, uh, something with less stability and that perhaps uh, praises them in some way or more stability and and less friendly?
1: Uh,
0: I think stability
1: is... is, uh Is going to be an advantage here Um, because with that, you can start making longer term plans. I mean, when you've got a pyrotechnic, uh, uh, what's a pyromaniac in the, Mm. uh, in the, uh, in the other corner, um, there's, I suppose, some calculations that he might end up burning himself and his his friends and allies. And, um, and that that could be uh, an advantage, but it's just so unpredictable that that kind of, um instability that we've seen out of Washington these last four years is, is not even in the interest of, of uh, America's adversaries and certainly much less uh, its friends. Now I think the one thing that China will be concerned about is that in its approach to the rivalry with China, the Biden administration is not going to go it alone. Um It has signaled already that it will be reaching out to other liberal democracies to create a, a more united front. That's been a, a consistent theme from Jake Sullivan, the new national security uh, director, um, Anthony Blinken, the new secretary of state, and they've even identified a major Asia specialist, Kurt Campbell, uh, to start pulling together uh, liberal democracies in a more co- coordinated approach to confront China. Um, and so that's got to... Um, I'm sure that's got uh, some people in Beijing uh, sitting up and worrying right now that the liberal democracies are powerful when they collaborate with one another. Um, They're weak when they can be separated and and, uh, played off against one another. But when they're able to present a a united front, that's when uh, an autocracy, a dictatorship, even one as large and as powerful as China, uh, needs to be really worried
0: that was my next question: Is ooh, does this change the way the ally, uh, way allies look at this? Um, you know, obviously, at one point uh, in the last couple of decades, uh, China was the golden goose; it was where the it was the land of opportunity. Everybody wanted a piece of that, and then things just just went south. It seems in China, things just the the, the whole uh, the whole mentality changed. We all thought that when the handover of Hong Kong happened, that China would become more like Hong Kong instead of the other way around. So 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 obviously uh, those relationships with all the allies have have taken a turn now that uh, now that Donald Trump has sort of gotten rid of this all. You know, uh, uh, I'm I'm looking after only America's interests here and and the Biden administration has a more global view. uh, Will these allies banning together? actually make china notice i mean china's uh, its perception in the world uh, has drastically changed the people's perception of china uh will this now make them realize that will they uh, will, will they see that this world order is changing a bit
1: well this is a, um, I i don't actually have the answer for that because it depends a lot on chinese leadership of course, it's not just the United States that's had this major change in how it was governed these last four years. There's been major changes in the Chinese government as well. It's gone from a more collective system of uh of leadership um by several people at the top of the of the Communist party hierarchy in concert with one another to a one man show under Xi Jinping. The weaknesses of one man shows are that um the flow of information is uh um, not as reliable, and mm. the decision making um, depends a lot more just on the whims of one single person. So, in the China that we had before Xi Jinping, the Hu Jintao regime, or or others, I think you could count on there being kind of rational uh decision making processes. Now that it's really all down to one one megalomaniac, there is a, a little bit of unpredictability on uh, on the other side. The the, the challenge when you've got uh, it's not really a de- uh, debate between de- democracies and autocracies. It's about the effectiveness of decision-making systems, and the the Beijing regime has become less effective in decision-making as power has been overly centralized in in one person. Um, so it'll be un- um, difficult to predict, uh, but all the more reason, I think, for us to to show strength through our collective approach by uniting the uh, the liberal democracies.
0: You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Uh, World Health Organization, there are uh, conducting investigations. Uh, any more information on that? Uh, do you think they will get to the bottom of how this all started?
1: Well, the big change since the last time I was on your show two weeks ago is that the Beijing government did actually allow a WHO team uh, to enter. Mm-hmm. There's been some quite useful reporting out of there, and I think we are starting to see a clear image uh, emerging of the origins of this uh of this pandemic um whether we're able to implement the lessons learned from this will depend a little bit on the the willingness of member states and the WHO to grant more power to the uh to the organization um on from what i understand it's relatively there's a relatively common picture across most global health experts and most people in the WHO about how to stop pandemics from happening. The challenges are all at the political level of whether national governments will uh, allow the kind of collective decision-making that needs to happen internationally to go ahead. So, for example, there are regulations with the WHO that currently require any government that's had a an outbreak um in its in its country to uh to decide whether to allow the w h o in to uh to investigate there's no automaticity to that um there have been some proposals that those regulations be changed so that there's kind of an automatic reaction as soon as we see a new infectious disease start to spread like wildfire fire through a country or starting to to cross international boundaries that there's a more automatic response uh right now but that requires a degree of collaboration between the member states of the WHO, which is not currently the
0: case. Uh, that's the United that's what States Canada should be pressing for. Biden announced that he they they're not going to withdraw from the WHO. Does does that change the discussion in any way?
1: Uh, well, it turns it the pace and provides an opportunity uh, for countries that are part of the WHO to uh, um, to hope that we might be able to. Reform the organization and equip it with the powers to handle the next epidemic more effectively to prevent an epidemic from becoming a uh, a pandemic up until now I think there's there's been a kind of break on any efforts to reform the w h o based on the the threat of the largest country and the largest donor the united states uh pulling out now that doesn't solve all the problems to have the United States back in but to have the u s move from the category of being a problem to being a uh, potential uh, contributor to the solution, provides a window of opportunity for us to now seize. And so what I'm hoping is countries like Canada will, will realize that this is a, might be a short-term opportunity as this window opens, and to put our proposals for change on the table now that you've got a new set of actors coming into Washington that are gonna be open to more effective international collaboration.
0: We certainly know uh, of the human rights uh, abuses in China, uh, whether it's the two Michaels, the Uyghurs, what have you. Uh, the Prime Minister has warned Canadian companies in China to avoid using forced labour. What does that mean? And c- can you police that?
1: That was quite extraordinary, actually, I have the Prime Minister to weigh in on uh, on the behaviour or the activities of individual uh, Canadian companies. Uh, Why now? I mean... Uh, so <laughs> I think it's a little, uh, late, but better late than never. Uh, the, the federal government, um, adopting a more skeptical, uh, approach to the Chinese, uh, government and to the, the abuses of, uh, human rights that we're seeing. Um, you know, you've got the U.S. government now calling the, uh, the behavior of the Chinese government in Xinjiang a genocide, That's pretty strong, uh, strong language. Um, the Canadian government has not found um the strength to to use those same uh, those same terms um but with these this um new statement from uh from uh, from Justin Trudeau I think we're at least moving into into the right direction. you know we might find ourselves really on the wrong side of history here if we don't take effective action to um, confront the Chinese on uh, the terrible things that are they're doing to the weaker people. In uh, in Xinjiang, uh, there's very limited uh, levers that we have at our disposal to do anything about it. But one of them is uh, some oversight over the activities of uh, of Canadian companies, and so sanctions over company uh, on comp- companies that are benefiting from uh, some of the terrible labor practices, the use of slave labor in uh, in Xinjiang. I think is the the starting point, I certainly wouldn't end there, but that's a it's a, uh, an important place for us to start. I would like to see the Canadian government actually consider whether we should also be using the term genocide to describe the systematic activity of the Chinese government uh, to eliminate the collective identity of the Muslims in the western part of their country, mm. as the United States has now done.
0: As the administration has changed in the United States, China sanctions 28 members of Trump's administration, including uh, Steve Bannon, Pompeo. Uh, what, what's the significance of that? What is Why do that now as they're leaving?
1: I suppose they're, uh, they're trying to raise the cost to the United States and other countries from this new uh, trend of individual... Sanctions against decision makers—the Magnitsky uh, sanctions, as they're called—is right. a this is a relatively new thing to try and introduce penalties against individuals because of the participation they make in the decision making of the state. Is a is a relatively uh, new tool, and it's one that um, many countries around the world are, are really worried about. Obviously, in autocratic governments, uh, they're worried about it because some of the individuals in decision-making positions there could end up on the wrong side of the stick. But there's also a, a precedent that's, um, that's shifting here in uh, in how countries try to shape behavior and uh, actions of other countries. Um, so I think what the Chinese government is trying to do is to show the United States, you sanction our, uh, our political leaders and we'll sanction yours and revert to that logic that has undergirded international law since the beginning of time, which is tit for tat. You do something I don't like, and I'm going to do something you don't like. Um, I still think there's some value to these individual sanctions. Magnitsky-style sanctions are are an effective tool, and uh, I don't think we should abandon them just because of the reciprocal activities of the Chinese government. But conversely, we should probably expect that Canadian officials will start to be sanctioned by the Chinese government and uh, and others. Uh, to the extent that we start using Magnitsky-style sanctions, that's just the way that the international system works. And it's uh, a cost that we'll have to bear uh, as we start to roll out these tools to, uh, uh, to take a stand on some of the worst human rights abuses in the world and space.
0: Now that the administration has changed and allies will regroup on all of this, um, because it seemed during the Trump administration that, you know, there was a free reign to do as you wish, you know, the cats away, the mice will play, sort of speak. Uh, now that things are the way they are uh, and, you know, we're coming out of a global pandemic, uh, investigations onto how it started uh, and, and that sort of thing, is China becoming aware of the world perception of itself and how it has drastically changed in the last couple of years are they are they aware they have gone from golden goose to in a lot of people's minds public enemy number one
1: yeah i do think the chinese government has a pretty good sense uh of how they're perceived around the world and i i think they don't care <laughs> i think they're that's what uh, i have seen.
0: that's what i that's what i hear when i ask any expert there yeah so what <laughs>
1: Uh, well, it's not necessarily so. Why? Because I, I do think it's important um, that uh, it, it does represent a loss of Chinese power. Uh, soft power is power, and so when other countries start to distrust you and start to dislike you, you you do lose power. Um, I think that the Chinese government, and under Xi Jinping, is making the calculation that it's gaining enough in terms of economic power, and military power, and technological power. That it can afford it can afford to fritter away. It's uh, it's soft power. It's not the calculation I would necessarily make, but the fact that they're willing to make it, that they're willing to disarm themselves essentially to, you know, to use the, the terms of a uh, surrender, like to kind of surrender their soft power, uh, sends a signal uh, to us that we can't rely on those uh, those forms of. Um, of engagement, that that reliance on China being worried about the, the the opinions of others or trying to avoid a you know being shamed or what have you, those are no longer available to us as uh, tools hmm. ensuring that that, that uh, China upholds international standards and acts as a responsible global citizen, and that means as those as we lose access to those tools, we then have to rely on others.
0: Ben Roswell has been with us, President, Canadian International Council, talking about uh, ongoing Canada-China relations and how that changes with a, ch- with a different administration in the United States. Ben, thank you for the time and insight. Much appreciated. Be well. Thanks, Laska. Take care. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us,